The sports world continues to be in a standstill, but the Blue Bloods return to keep the college football world moving. We start the episode off by discussing whether Jim Harbaugh is on the hot seat for the 2020 season and what he needs to do in this upkeep upcoming season to keep Michigan fans happy. We then discuss what team is our 2020 dark horse team for the national championship, and then we debate which player next season could be the next Joe Burrow and shock the world. We wrap up the episode talking about the huge decision Trey Sermon made to transfer from Oklahoma and whether the team he picked is is now the odds-on favorite to win it all in 2020. We know you guys need the sports talk, and we're here to give it to you, so let's kick it off. We'll start out Jim Harbaugh. So Harbaugh will be entering his sixth season as the Michigan Wolverines head coach. In his first five years, Harbaugh's won almost 50 games and led the Wolverines to multiple New Year's Six Bowl appearances. The knock on Harbaugh's tenure, though, has been his lack of ability to beat Ohio State and other big rivals. The Wolverines are 0-5 against the Buckeyes, which makes Harbaugh the first Michigan coach to ever lose their first five games in the rivalry. Brandon, experts seem to be torn on where Harbaugh stands in the eyes of Michigan directors, executives. So in your opinion, is Harbaugh on the hot seat? And if so, what does he need to do to keep his job in 2020? And if not, what does he need to do to keep himself off the hot seat? All right, so... To start, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to define what the hot seat is. Because, I mean, does that mean, do I think that Jim Harbaugh will get fired from Michigan? Or does it mean that I think that, you know, maybe there'll be like an outcry, like maybe Michigan fans want him out? I don't think he's going to get fired. So if that's what being on the hot seat is, then no, he's not on the hot seat. But but, but what, what are you trying to uh, say the hot seat is? So hot seat, I think... That there's levels of hot seat. I don't think he's Gus Malzahn hot seat right now or Clay Helton hot seat, but I think it's he's Gus Malzahn 2016 hot seat where there's start rumblings that if he gets off to a bad start or goes 0-6 versus Ohio State, that the program should look in, look into moving in another direction. Look, and this is what I'll say. Under under Jim Harbaugh, Michigan has consistently finished ten and three. I mean, so like several times, finished nine and four this year. His worst season with them was in twenty seventeen, and he went eight and five. Now, that's not necessarily a bad year. I mean, before that, you had Rich Rodriguez taking them to three and nine seasons, and uh, I mean Brody uh, Brady Hoke taking them to you know five and seven, seven and six seasons, losing in the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. I mean, Jim Harbaugh certainly isn't the greatest. I mean, he's up there, but he's not the greatest coach in college football by any means. Um, you know, and, and there are the knocks against him. Obviously, he can't beat Ohio State. That's one of the biggest things. Uh, the second biggest thing to me, and something that people often overlook, I think, out of his out of his uh, 
uh, what is it, five bowl appearances with Michigan since I mean, because he's made a bowl every year since he's been there. Uh, he's lost four of those. He's lost he's lost a Citrus Bowl, a Peach Bowl, an Outback Bowl, and an Orange Bowl. He the only bowl game he won was in his first season in 2015. He won the Citrus Bowl. I mean, but other than that, you know, it's, he's not doing outstanding things. But I definitely don't think that he's getting fired from this program because where is Michigan going to go besides Jim Harbaugh? I mean, think about that. I mean, they can't go anywhere but but down after this, unless they somehow pull out some kind of absurd hire, which they won't. So, I mean, here's where I here's where I would have to step in and disagree with you. I you're right that it'd be hard to go up, but in my opinion, I, I don't think Harbaugh is an elite coach. So check the tapes, guys. This is not a new opinion for me. Brandon about had a heart attack. I went back and looked. Episode eight of the Blue Bloods. Go check it out. It was released on September 22nd, and I said that Jim Harbaugh was on the hot seat and Brandon about had a stroke on air. Um, but here's where here's where it gets hairy for me is that Harbaugh makes seven and a half million dollars a year, which ranks third in college football. He's only behind Davo Sweeney and Nick Saban, and I don't even think he's in the same class as those coaches. And I I don't want to hear about oh well you can't put a value on his recruiting because I think he's a overrated recruiter by a long. Uh, by a long stretch. I mean, his average nah. class his average class finish at Michigan is 15th. That's not elite. Okay, I mean, the Gus Malzahn's average is 7th, Brandon. And I don't think Gus Malzahn's an elite coach. Davo Sweeney's yeah. average is in the top 5. Nick Saban's average is in the top 5. James Franklin averages averages at Penn State a top 10 class. And that's in Ryan Day's on verge of averaging a top three class right now and going into his second year. He has the number one class in the country next year. And the the thing that gets me is that Michigan, I would say Michigan's up, it might not be a blue blood program, but they're right on the fringe, right? I, I think we can agree on that. Yeah. So is there a reason for Michigan not to sign a top one, at least one top 100 prospect every year? No, I mean, I, I suppose not, but I mean, I don't know. It, it's Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I don't know how you're arguing against me here. Well, so let's look. I mean, he had no top 100 prospects in his 2020 class this past recruiting cycle or his 2018 class. His highest ranked class is fifth, and, and 16 of those signees left the program before they contributed significantly. Not not great. Okay, and then but- he, Go ahead. The thing, the thing to me is that it's okay. I know I keep saying it. It's Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is the reason that Stanford is the program they were. I mean, think about that. Before Stanford, I mean, before you know the late two thousands, what was Stanford? Stanford yeah, was but- was a was the Ivy League of the West Coast. They weren't known for athletics, and all of a sudden they're they're consistently playing for the Pac twelve championship. I mean, obviously they've fallen since that, but. I mean, they were a great team for a long time. I mean, he coached there for what four years until he went to yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, but I mean, I think he had a lot more success at Stanford than he's had at Michigan. Re- like oh, relatively, okay. well, that, doesn't, that doesn't. I don't know about that. He went four and eight, five and seven, eight and five, and twelve and one in his last season. Twelve and one at you know, Stanford I mean, is outrageous. 
Well, yeah, I'm not. I'm not discounting that at all. I mean, I just, I just talked about he, how he's the reason that Stanford is where they are today. I, you know, yeah, I stand behind that. that. I think he was, he was definitely, he was definitely the, he did the groundwork for that program. And I mean, look at, I mean, look at Michigan. I already read their numbers, you know, uh, and look what they were before he came there. I mean, look at what the 49ers were before he went there, uh, and then look what they were under him. I mean, they made it to a Super Bowl. Uh, I, I don't think you just, could judge. He's a fantastic coach. He's a great coach. I, I don't, I don't think he's top ten in college football right now. I don't know if I'd say he's top 10, but I mean, he's a coach that players love. Have you ever heard this man talk? It's amazing. Every time he talks, it makes me, it makes me, it makes me laugh. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather him heard, not talk. Have you ever, have you ever heard him talk about how he used to drink milk because he thought it would make him grow taller? He used to just like chug milk growing up because he thought it would make him grow taller. He won't eat chickens because he calls them a nervous bird. Well, he might need to eat some chicken if he to beat Ohio State. Oh, I, who says it makes him beat Ohio State? It's exactly. He, I mean, look, I understand what you're saying. No one's ever gone zero and five. Okay, all right. I mean, I, I just think I think that I'm not going to say that he's I'm not going to say that he's an underrated coach. I think he's fairly rated at Michigan. I don't think that he's overrated by any means. You don't think he's overpaid? I didn't say I didn't think he's overpaid. I think it's outrageous that any any college football coach would get paid seven and a half million dollars unless your name that's, is that's, Nick Saban. That, no, Davo Sweeney makes more than Nick Saban, and he should. Okay, as soon as as soon as Davo Sweeney matches rings with Nick Saban, then we'll talk. He's coming. He's coming. Let's let's not play jokes here, Brandon. Whenever, uh, whenever that, whenever that, I'm not making jokes. I'm serious. Whenever that happens, <laughs> let me know. So my thing with this hardball thing, the thing that gets under my skin is there's always an excuse to bail him out. The accountability is never thrown on Jim Harbaugh, and that's what that's what makes me mad about it. So the first excuse was he he needed time. He needed time to get talent. He needed time to develop the program. Well, he's had that. That that's not that's no longer an excuse. So what did they move to? Well, he doesn't have a quarterback. He needs a quarterback. He needs a quarterback. Well, okay. Now, to be now, fair, and then and then hang on, and then he says, "Well, I identified my guy. We got Shea Patterson. We're going to ride with Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson's the next legendary Michigan quarterback." It doesn't turn out, and everyone's like, "Oh, well, that's that's not necessarily on uh, you know Jim Harbaugh, even though he calls himself the quarterback whisperer and he's one of the best offensive minds in college football." Well, then. They said he needs a new, refreshing take on the offense. He needs to get him a new, young offensive coordinator. He goes and steals Josh Gaddis out of Alabama, right out of Nick Saban's hands. And the offense was, would you say abysmal is a good word for it this year, Brandon? Did you watch that Iowa-Michigan uh, I mean, game I mean, this year? Define abysmal because, I mean, we got the walking dictionary over here. I thought it was a football podcast, not a not a nerd <laughs> podcast. I, I don't think – they, it's 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 his book club. It's a GRE word, but the thing I think it's time to look directly at Harbaugh. You can't place this on Josh Gaddis and the offensive coordinator. You can't place this on Shea Patterson. You can't place this on Father Tom and not having enough time to build the program. This is time to look directly at Jim Harbaugh. If he is the most overrated coach in college football, he's overpaid, overconfident, overhyped. He's not elite. Michigan should make a financial decision 
and let him walk. I think they'll be better for it. I think there's coaches that you can get at a much more reasonable bargain that can get you to go lose a Citrus Bowl every year. That's well, okay. He won. Okay, he's, he's five hundred on the Citrus Bowl. Let's not let's not bring the Citrus Bowl into this. He, he's he's one in four in bowl games, Brandon. One in four in bowl okay. games. That's garbage. That is absolute. That is not worth seven and a half million dollars a year. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying I don't think that you know. I, I don't. I think he's a great coach. I don't think he deserves seven and a half million dollars. Like I said, I mean, I'll say it again. I don't think anyone deserves that money unless your name's Nick Saban. But you know, if I don't think that he's done an awful job in Michigan, do I think that he's lived up to what he should be doing in Michigan? Not necessarily. But do I think he's done a bad job? No. Oh, a side note in case I mean, you want to know coaching, that, that, when you're coaching against. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to let you know to make your head spin. Davo Sweeney made like nine point two million dollars last year. Well, yeah, I think he's very important to this Clemson team. And that wasn't a discount Davo Swinney there. I wasn't trying to, you know, I'm not, I'm not oh, trying to get any South Carolinians <laughs> upset at me. I don't need that. I don't know. I don't know what you guys are plotting up there in quarantine in South Carolina, but um, we, I'm not trying to make you mad at me. I can, I can assure you that. Oh, man. That I mean, 9.2 million is a lot of money, man. That's like almost a mil above what Saban made last year. <laughs> yeah, stuff. Another that thing, though, great. let me say this. And you keep saying they lose to Ohio State every year. Yeah, they lose to Ohio State every year. They lose to an Ohio State team that um, that was coached by Urban Meyer, and then now they're coached by Ryan Day, who's just – I'm not trying to make anybody mad here, especially not former guests, but uh, kind of feeding off of what Urban Meyer, the legacy he left. So, um, But I'm just saying – That's where I'll leave that. If you're the third highest paid coach in college football, I believe he was paid more than Urban Meyer was in general – and you're gonna tell me you're gonna go oh and like you can't get one win, bro. Not not a single one. Is that it's like if the question was do I think he's overpaid, the answer would have been yes, but the question was do I think he's on the hot seat? No, I don't think he's on the hot seat. I, I think if I think if he goes in and he has another nine and three season, whatever, eight and four, whatever you want to go with, and he loses to Ohio State and loses to bowl game, I think Michigan makes a financial decision and goes another way. I really do. I I don't see you are putting entirely too much faith in Michigan right now. The state of Michigan is what what was the word you used Uh, in an abysmal state? Let's just I'll say that. (laughs) Shout out to our Michigan fans. You can't take my GRE word, man. Uh, That that is uh, solely for my use. I'm copywriting the word abysmal. (laughs) Good luck. No, Zach. So, so, okay. So, Honestly, so you you think no matter what happens this year, Michigan's riding with Harbaugh? Uh, I think that it, his name is – as long as his name is Jim Harbaugh, uh, he won't be fired. And I've said this several times during the season. I think, if anything, they will push him toward an NFL job. They'll be like, hey, they, there's this opening. Let me Let me hook you up with this. I don't think that they're going to outright fire him. Okay, well, that's – I mean, that's still moving on, though. Like – Regardless of how you yeah, word it, like okay. they can move on. I don't think they fire him. I think they. Uh, that's why I said I think they move on. I think they're just like you got to do something else, man. Like this, I think they need a new fresh direction. These expensive trips to Spain to lose the Citrus Bowl is just becoming too much. I think, and you know, so we'll see how this turns out. You know, throughout the season, but we're going to move on to 
more looking forward to this next season. So I would say very few experts, except uh, myself, expected LSU to shock the college football world, win the championship, and definitely no one saw Joe Burrow and Joe Brady making this LSU offense one of the most potent in college football history. Each year, there are many surprise teams and players that make all experts, you know, in sports media look stupid and shock everyone with their performance. So we're coming into the month of April pretty soon, which gives us about six months until the first kickoff of the season. So this means it's a perfect time to place our bets way too early and look way too far ahead into the future and give our predictions for which team could be the next dark horse to, to win it all. Brandon, looking ahead, which team is nobody talking about? Which one of these teams would you give the best shot to be the next LSU and come out of nowhere and win the championship? Okay, first off, here's the disclaimer. Oh, no, actually, first off, calling yourself an expert, that that we're just glad to have your humbleness around here, Zach. We, we love that. Uh, can't get enough of that. Um, <laughs> second off, let me preface this by saying that I – am not an expert and so my choice right here is probably going to get scrutinized and is it a shot in the dark sure it's going to be be. entertaining you decide that um that's funny um i just looked up i just looked up the word scrutinize i'm sitting here trying to talk and uh and type at the same time um (laughs) but uh my dark horse is going to come from the big 10 conference uh and you know, it's a team that did really well last year. It's a team that's returning their quarterback and their head coach. Um, uh, my team's going to be Michigan. Or not Michigan, I'm sorry. <laughs> that would have been really funny. Minnesota. I'm going with Minnesota for this upcoming season. Um, I think P.J. Flex building something really special in, uh, in Minnesota. Um, and I don't think a lot of people see it. Zach, if you had to rank P.J. Fleck in, in order of Big Ten coaches, are you putting him ahead of Jim Harbaugh right now? Yes, a thousand percent. Yeah, see, I mean, he's really a guy. I mean, I mean, you want to talk about a guy you really like to hear talk. I mean, he's not going to make you laugh by saying that he chugs milk or um, that he won't eat chicken. But row what he will boat, do though. is he will row that boat. He will fire you up. I mean, there were certain times this season that we – I mean, you heard him speak. You heard him talk to his team. Did he fire you up? I'm not a Minnesota fan. I'm not, I'm not even close to a uh, – I'm not even close to a, any kind of Big Ten fan. But if I had to choose one that I think is going to shock the world next year, that has the best opportunity uh, to come out of the gate, um, and and at plus 8,000 odds right now to win the championship, I think that's a dark horse. Um, they finished at number 10 last season uh, in the AP poll. Um, they're returning Tanner Morgan. I already mentioned that. Uh, he has a full year of starting experience now. You know, He had last season. I think he did really well last season. Uh, what was it? Thirty touchdowns, six interceptions. I mean, that's incredible. That's Jameis Winston. That's Jameis Winston type touchdowns with uh, without Jameis Winston type interceptions right there. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they they started out nine and zero this past season. Uh, they ended up what? I mean, they I forgot what their final record was this past year. Uh, I think they finished ten and two. No, they may have only lost one game. Anyway, no, I mean, they, 11, they, 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 they it was it was, a, it was eleven and two. Yeah, they lost. They lost the bowl game, though, didn't they? No, they didn't. They lost. You, you are like uh, all so over they, this dark horse. They lost to Wisconsin <laughs> for for their first game. Oh, they, yeah, they beat Auburn. Oh, if you remember sorry. that? That's, that's cute. And they lost yeah, to Iowa. 
Okay. Well, I mean, it was, it, it was the Children's Hospital, season. though. It was at the Children's Hospital, so we'll give them a I'm pass. Telling you, it's, it's, it's working its magic. Sorry, guys. If I seem all over the place, that's because I am. Well, we're recording this episode at 1230 in the morning, so uh, here we are. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a long day, and quarantine is not uh, not doing well for me. Um, anyway, I think it's a team that's, uh, that's going off a really hot finish. Uh, this past season, of course, Zach just mentioned it. Who they beat again in their in their bowl game, Zach? I just want to hear you yeah. say it. Yeah, they dominated Auburn, yeah. man. Auburn? I mean, was it they, Auburn? They, okay, they, <laughs> they bullied Auburn, man. It was uh, embarrassing to be completely honest with. They won thirty-one twenty-four, but it should have been thirty-one to nothing to be completely honest. And I actually yeah. really like this pick from Brandon because uh, this Minnesota team is going to be loaded again and. You know, I I don't think Michigan's going to be very good. I think Wisconsin's going to take a huge step back in the Big Ten. I think it's going to come down to – I actually think Minnesota-Ohio State is going to be in Indianapolis in December playing for the title. All right, there you have it. All right, Zach, I want to hear your dark horse now. All right, so I think this team is scarily similar to LSU this past season. Uh, some experts give them a good Auburn. shot. Negative. Uh while others have plenty of doubt, it's, it is an SEC team. And my pick for this segment is the Florida Gators. Um, yeah. yeah, I know some experts are really high on this team, but not many people are giving them a shot to win it all. And I would say a majority of experts and people that give their opinion on this stuff don't even see them winning their division due to Georgia. A lot of people are high on Jamie Newman and this Bulldogs team going into next season. Uh, you know. Florida's sitting at about fourteen to one odds. The last the the last ones I could find, uh, Westgate Sportsbook. While LSU was about twenty to one, so Florida's got a little bit better odds, but they're pretty similar. Um, and yeah, so the let last me tell- I saw, they were uh, they were plus twenty five hundred to win the title. Yep. So you know, it, about the same as LSU was going into last year about this time. Uh, but let me tell you why Florida is going to be playing in Miami for the national championship next year. Uh, Dan Mullen enters his third full year as the head coach for Florida, which means a lot of his talent are going to be stepping into significant contribution uh, type positions. While Coach O was entering his third full year, he did have the one intern, but I don't really count that because, you know, he didn't get to recruit or do anything. He just kind of had to pick up the mess less miles left in the middle of the season. Um, so both entering their third full year, Florida uh, coming in, coming off a second straight New Year's Six Bowl of win in a row. LSU also is coming off a New Year's Six win over UCF. Uh, I'm sure Brandon was hype about that game. Um, you know, day. yeah, so LSU – Coming in with a second-year starting quarterback in Joe Burrow. Um, Florida coming in with a second-year starting quarterback, Kyle Trask. Um, So these stats are pretty similar. Kyle Trask actually dominated completion percentage with a 67% completion percentage, while Joe Burrow only had a 57% his first year as a starter. They both had around 2,900 yards. Trask had 25 touchdowns to Burrow's 16, but Trask has seven interceptions to Burrow's five. Brain, I would say those are pretty similar, correct? Yeah, pretty similar. Yeah, uh, Trask even kind of outperformed Burrow in his first year starting. And the last reason I think is Florida, man, they are returning a lot of talent, but their schedule 
sets up absolutely perfect for the Gators to make a run here. So their SEC West draw, outside of you know their rivalry against LSU, is Ole Miss. That team's going to be rebuilding under Lane Kiffin, and they don't have to play a team like Auburn like they did last year. They don't draw Alabama. Plus, their big draw LSU, they get to play in the swamp. So I think this is a interesting rivalry game because I think home field advantage matters so much in this game because I don't know about you guys. I would not want to have to go play in Death Valley and I definitely would also not want to have to go play in the swamp. I think the home field advantage matters so much in this rivalry and getting LSU at home is a huge win here. Then this is their road games outside of Ole Miss. You have Florida State. First-year head coach Mike Norval, I don't think either of us think they're going to be ready to compete for anything anytime soon. They might not even be bowl eligible come this game. Next, Vandy. I'm just going to say Vandy is Vandy. Can we move on? Does anyone expect Vandy to beat Florida? I mean, honestly, Florida will probably have more fans in the stands than Vandy would. And Tennessee is going to be their toughest road game, but let's be honest here. Brandon, do you see Tennessee beating Florida next season? Because I definitely do not. Um. No, and then, not no chance. <laughs> yeah, this is not happening. And then the biggest thing, they get a bye week before playing Georgia. So they get a bye week to before they face a young, inexperienced Georgia team, and that can only help matters. You get a week to get healthy. You get a week to game plan. So I think the schedule sets up perfectly for a deep, deep run for this Florida team. They have the talent. They have the experience. They have the coaching. They have the schedule. They're going to make major waves. I think kind of like LSU did, they just kind of had the perfect storm of things come together. And I see Florida having that pretty much that exact same recipe. And the benefit Kyle Trask has is he has a head coach that is probably, I would say, a top three play caller in the country, while Joe Burrow had to rely on Joe Brady to come in because Coach O was a defensive-minded coach. So I think that's why you see a little bit of improvement in Trask stats over Joe Burrow because he he is playing in an offensive-friendly program while Joe Burrow had to do it in a defensive-friendly program. So, yeah, I mean, I just – I think it's all going to come together for them. Um, you know, uh, I think Dan Mullen is ready. I mean, I think we had a whole argument last episode about how I had Dan Mullen above Coach O in terms of the best coaches in college football. Brandon didn't necessarily agree with me, but – I think Florida is the team to watch out for going into this next season. Yeah, you know, and they're definitely a team that, uh, you know, they were they weren't bad last season. I mean, you, you watch their games. I mean, they played LSU close, and LSU. I mean, I mean, look what they did. I mean, they just ran away with the title basically. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely you know that was a team that I had on my radar. I could never admit that. Uh, I can never list them as my dark horse to win for obvious reasons, but uh, I can see where you're coming from. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and you know, to move on from this, I mean, to preview another big question surrounding 2020, uh, if I told you that a transfer from Ohio State would come down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 
and lead the LSU Tigers to a national championship and steal a Hosman trophy while he was at it. You probably would not believe me. And just to make you know the story even better, if I told you he went from just about 57% completion percentage and under 3,000 yards to over 70% completion percentage and almost 5,600 yards, then I would probably be the biggest liar you ever met. But we've seen this story before. Nobody thought Joe Burrow would do this. Nobody saw Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, or Johnny Manziel coming before the season. So... Brandon, what player in college football could you see being the next Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson or Johnny Manziel and taking the country by storm and winning the Heisman? Oh, man, what a difficult question. Um, so the way that I was posed to me before this segment was who's going to be the next Joe Burrow? And my answer was simply going to be there's no other Joe Burrow. There's only one Joe Burrow. Um, so, Zach, you take the reins. I'm going to figure this out. Okay, yeah, so I actually wanted to start this segment by saying there's probably not going to be another Joe Burrow. <clears throat> There'll be a few players who take the country by storm, but none of them is going to be able to replicate what Joe Burrow did last season. So I have three picks that could possibly all be dark horse Hosman candidates to surprise many people. It's really impossible just to pick one player here, but... All three have similarities to Joe Burrow or other quarterbacks, you know, that we've mentioned. And ah, my first pick, probably going to get some pushback. Brandon has talked about this guy before. We've highlighted him a lot of times on this podcast, actually. And that's Ian Book from Notre Dame. It's It's an unconventional pick, but Book has the raw ability to make waves and make the plays in this upcoming season. So he's coming fresh off a 3,000-yard season where he had 34 touchdowns and only six interceptions. And toward the end of the season, he seemed to find his stride, and this momentum could carry into the 2020 season. So he also benefits, kind of like Burrow did, from a new offensive play caller in Tommy Reese, which could give Book more freedom and a refreshing playbook. Burrow and Mayfield benefited from the so-called fresh vision of Joe Brady and Lincoln Riley, and the same could go for Ian Book this season. Brian Kelly is also one of the best offensive minds in college football, and this is the benefit that I talked about earlier that Burrow did not have with Coach O. Book, coming into his senior season, will have a lot to prove, and he also has a huge stage against Clemson in early November to really make that Hosman statement. Notre Dame returns a lot of talent. Notre Dame is going to be a top 10 team. And I think Notre Dame has all the potential to make major, major moves. And it's going to be because of Ian Book. Yeah, I can, you know, and, and this is a guy that both of us have, uh, you mentioned this, you know, a few minutes ago, but we both mentioned him this past season. We both really like this kid. Um, you know, that he definitely has his flaws, but I mean, you look at Joe Burrow from two seasons ago. I mean, what did you see? He saw a kid who had 16 touchdowns. Uh, and that's, you know, look at his next season. Who would have ever expected that? So Ian Book definitely has the raw talent, like you said. Uh, I, I think that he could really, truly uh, uh, do it this next season. Um, so did you want to go ahead and list your other ones, or did you want me to go ahead? Yeah, I'll get my second one going so you can get your stuff together. <laughs> I've got um, my stuff, man. Don't worry. All right, so my second one is Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. Okay. So 
Similar to Ian Book, the clock is ticking. Mon's entering his se- his senior year. But the reason I'm so high on this kid is another year in Jimbo Fisher's system should only increase Mon's chances to be this dark horse uh, Heisman candidate. Fisher, long history as the, one of the best quarterback developers in the country. I mean, you just look at Jameis Winston and see what he did there. His time across the college football landscape is impeccable. This is one of the most highly respected coaches in college football, you know, and the offense started to click late in the season. Yeah, the LSU game wasn't great, but we saw what that LSU defense did to Clemson. We're going to exclude that game. Um, you know, Mon has the intangibles to be special. He's 6'3", 220, and can run just as fast as any quarterback in the country. He has a powerful arm, can make quick, smart decisions, and is extremely accurate. Mon has the advantage of extreme mobility, which makes him even more dangerous than Baker Mayfield or Joe Burrow. He's more of a Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson type of guy where his feet actually will probably make him a highlight reel more so than his accuracy or throwing ability that we saw with Joe Burrow. Um, you know, his accuracy when given time in the pocket is up there. I mean, his 62% completion percentage is higher than Joe Burrow's was in Joe Burrow's junior season. Mon has has to show his full potential and combining that with Jimbo Fisher's system and him returning the most talent in the SEC in terms of um, returning players, that makes A&M and Mond very dangerous. And I think Mond is someone you guys need to look out for when the season starts late August. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is a kid who obviously last season didn't put up the greatest numbers. You know, he kind of had – yeah, and it really, uh, it, it was just a slump, really. I mean, that I mean, I was going to say sophomore slump, but I mean, it was just a slump. Um, he, he, you know, he he definitely showed out uh, two seasons ago. Did very well in, in the system he was placed in. This past season struggled a little bit more, um, but you know, that he's probably just pros for a comeback at this point. You know, it's it's not one of those things where. Uh, He's probably just going to fall deeper and deeper into the slump. No, I think I think he bounces back. He's that kind of competitor. Uh, he's got that kind of head on his shoulders. I think that he's out to show everybody the last season was a fluke, and that uh, he is really a great football player. And I think that Jimbo Fisher is going to be there to back him up on that a hundred percent. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, we saw what he did to Oklahoma State in the Texas Bowl to end the season. It was impressive <clears throat> seeing him tear that defense apart like he did. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, who is your pick before I get my third pick? Because my because we definitely could have the same person here. I'm not sure, so I'll let you take that's, this one. That's you know that's what I was worried about, and that's why I tried to step in on the last pick. Glad we didn't. I heard the K, and I was like, you know what? He might have it. No, uh, and you guys might make fun of me, Zach. You might make fun of me. You uh, y'all might think it's a joke. It's really not a joke. I'm just high on this kid, and everyone knows it. Keaton Slovis. Let's let's give a hand. Let's give a hand I, for him. I, he was he was fourth out of I picked five players just in case he was fourth on my list so you're totally good take All this right. one away Keaton let's talk about it because we don't talk about it enough you know it it may have started out as a shtick it ended up as reality and I love this kid maybe more than life itself um, you know last year's his freshman year of course he only stepped into the picture because the starting quarterback was hurt uh, so. He played in 12 games this past season. Zach, 
you might actually know it, but if you had to guess without knowing the stats, what would you say his completion percentage would have been? Would have been? Like if you had to Ooh, guess I'll... if you had to guess without saying without seeing the actual numbers. That's sixty five. No man, seventy two percent completion percentage this past that's, season. Seventy one point nine. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, you wanna know how good it is? It's the third best in the country. He's behind Joe Burrow and the second one really confused me. You know, I didn't I didn't realize this guy had this kind of percentage. Tyler Huntley from Utah had a seventy three oh, percent completion percentage. Listen, people sleep on Huntley, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country. People are like, how is Utah in the top five at one time in the rankings? Huntley and Zach Moss were a deadly combination out there in Utah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, you may want to give some of the credit here uh, to Ke- uh, from Keaton Slovis to Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. Yeah, he's a great receiver. I'm not going to take that away from him. I think he's a fantastic receiver. Uh, I saw him work out at the Senior Bowl before he was. Uh, you know, he, he's obviously he couldn't he couldn't play because of uh, he wasn't he didn't pass his physical there. But I saw him work out there, fantastic. I mean, caught every single ball that was passed to him. And he kind of did that during the season too. But I think that you have to at least be some kind of good quarterback to get that ball to to any receiver. So uh, Keaton Slovis. 72% completion percentage. Not only that, but he passed for 3,500 yards this past season. 30 touchdown, uh, 30 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Uh, I think this kid really has a bright future, um, and I could see him breaking out even more than that, which is crazy. I mean, he did that as a freshman, think a true freshman. Uh, I, I think he definitely has a bright career ahead of him. Um, and, Zach, I think I know who your third player is going to be, but why don't you go ahead and hit us with it? Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. I want you to guess who my third player is. Sam Howell. He was my fifth. Okay. Ah, okay. This is the one that I told you was going to piss you off. It's going to piss a lot of people off. I don't care. So I'm gonna list two stat lines. So without going back and listening and without looking it up. I want all our listeners and Brandon to guess which stat is my player from last year and which stat is Joe Burrow from 2018. All right? Well, I think I know Joe Burrow, so go ahead. Okay, hang on. We're going to do rushing yards first as a quarterback. 313. Oh, I know this. <laughs> okay, okay. 313, 313 yards and seven touchdowns, 399 yards and seven touchdowns. Which one is Joe Burrow from 18? Uh, shoot, I didn't realize it was be that close. Uh, three nineteen. Uh, no, three three ninety nine and okay. seven touchdowns was Joe Burrow. Um, okay. Pa- passing stats: Which one's Burrow? Which one's Nick's? Brandon's probably going to get this because he memorized this. But other listeners, go ahead. I'll let you guess too. I got fifty seven percent completion percentage. 2,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Then I have 57% completion percentage, 2,800 yards, 16 touchdowns, and five interceptions. Which one was Burrow? Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it a second, let it breathe so that so everyone can guess. And three, two, one. Joe Burrow, I don't know. I mean, you knew I was going to know this. 57 point. Eight completion percentage, Zach, and only five interceptions. That was Joe Burrow. Yes. Do you know who the first one was? 
Bo Nix because you just said it. Yeah. <laughs> Bo Nix <laughs> had said, all those stats. You, said, <laughs> you were trying I to did. keep it a secret, but you said you had to guess which one is Burrow and which one is Nix. And I was That's like, true. Oh, well, that That's bad. true. Uh, so I tried not to be biased here. I didn't make him my number one, but I had to like list this out because the stats are eerily similar. Uh, I mean, even Brandon can say the, the fact that they're less than 100 yards off in rushing, they're only about 200 yards off in passing yards. They had the same number of touchdowns, Nick's through one more interception, and they had the exact same completion percentage. That's pretty... That, 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 that's pretty scary. Uh, it makes absolutely no sense how it was this similar. And they have very similar playing styles and physical abilities. Their attitudes and confidence are eerily similar as well. Um, I mean, I don't think Knicks or Burrow sees sees a pass or a hole in the covers that they don't think they can make the throw. And the reason Knicks is on this list for me isn't because of these eerily similar stats. It's because Gus Malzahn has officially handed the keys to the offense to somebody else. And that person is Chad Morris, one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. He was the offensive coordinator who developed Taj Boyd and Deshaun Watson at Clemson. He has a very pass, uh, like I say, a more pass-friendly offensive playbook than Gus Malzahn had. He's going to let Knicks go back there and air the ball out. And this is similar to, you know, Coach O bringing in Joe Brady to reinvent the passing offense. Uh, you know, Steve Emzinger, great offensive coordinator, but Joe Brady really reinvigorated that offensive playbook. And I think we can both agree on that. Uh, the difference is Nix is a bit younger. He's a little bit shorter than Burrow was, but they have similar intangibles. And the biggest thing for Nix is Burrow played behind one of the most experienced offensive lines in the country. They ended up winning the best offensive line award and for college football. The offensive line development for Knicks is going to be huge. They they're, have to replace four starters on this Auburn offensive line. If that comes together and he picks up Chad Morris's offense like Burrow did um, Joe Brady's offense, I think Knicks could be the one to take the next step. Because if you didn't know Joe Burrow's stats, you probably didn't know which one was Burrow and which one was Knicks, even though I talked about Burrow's stats at, to, to start this episode. Right. No, I mean, they're very similar. <clears throat> um, I mean, I can still disagree with you on how similar you think their attitudes are. But, yeah, the, I'll say those two stat lines were off. I mean, it's indisputable. I mean, they're very similar. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the fact that, you know, people also got to remember that Knicks is just, was just a true freshman last year. So he still has at least two more years at Auburn to Go to. I just thought you had to include someone who had such perfect similarity in stats in this conversation if we were going to have it. But I'm still going with Book or Mond over Knicks. But I, I thought that had to be mentioned. And you know, so we'll move on. Last segment of the day: the offseason in college football filled with recruiting drama, coaching changes, and now the great transfer portal or the ugly toilet portal. If you're from Pitt, uh, we've seen players such as Jamie Newman land in Athens, De'Aaron King and Quincy Roche take their talents to Miami. But there was one big name to announce this past weekend. And that was Trey Sermon. He announced his intentions to leave Oklahoma on March 14th and took just over a week to decide to take his talents to Columbus and join the Ohio state Buckeyes. Sermon 
has been known for his explosive playmaking abilities in Norman, but injuries ended this past season early. J.K. Dobbins is headed to the NFL draft, and Ohio State's top replacement, Master Teague, tore his Achilles in a practice this offseason, which left the Buckeyes with a very, very thin running back room and plenty of opportunity for someone to contribute. Brandon, how big is Sermon's decision to go to Ohio State, and does this decision to head to Columbus shake up the predictions for next season and make Ohio State the best bet to win the national championship? Man, I mean, it's it's huge, right? I mean, I think it's I think at least I think it's a huge decision. Um, obviously, you know, one of the one of the be- I mean, I'm not going to say one of the best, a very great running back in college football, uh, leaving a Big 12 program, Oklahoma, to go to a Big 10 program at Ohio State, you know, a team that's already a contender, a team that just lost J.K. Dobbins to the NFL draft, and a team that is returning players like Justin Fields um, to run their offense. And now they've also got Trey Sermon in their offense. I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, he's a guy who puts up nearly 1,000 yards rushing, at least in 2018. Uh, put up 947 yards uh, this past season, 744, uh, only five touchdowns. But I mean, I, I believe he was, was, was he hurt for part of his last season? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, t- he tore his knee up, knee, knee and ankle injuries. He he was out after I think 10 games this past season. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that that's without three games in there. I mean, he ran for, he rushed for 744 yards, um, you know, obviously the touchdown number isn't quite where you'd want that, but he's also playing in the same backfield as Jalen Hurts. You know, a guy that's also going to demand, he's also going to command the football. He's going to rush the ball at will. So, I mean, he was playing quarterback, but he's also, I mean, sort of operating as a running back in a sense. So, you know, essentially Trey Sermon is what he was sharing touches this past season with his quarterback. Um, I think that he's going to be a big key uh, to Ohio State this past year. Do I think this makes them the odds-on favorite to win? No, not not by any stretch of the imagination, and here's why. Because if you had to put Trey Sermon and J.K. Dobbins up head-to-head, who do you say wins? I mean, I say J.K. Dobbins wins nine times out of ten. I think he's a much better running back. Um, and I don't think that this Ohio State team was a running back away from winning the national championship this past year anyway. I mean, obviously it came down to, you know, the last the last minute in the uh, college football semi, uh, semifinals to a Clemson team that, you know, on, honestly, you put, you put Trey Sermon in there instead of J.K. Dobbins. Do I think they win? No. Obviously, I mean, you take away a couple key players from Ohio State, like Chase Young. Uh, does Ohio State win? No, they just lost those players. I mean, but then you have to take away players from Clemson. Obviously, take away Isaiah Simmons, take away everybody that's going to the drafts. But at the end of the day, you're still seeing Trevor Lawrence in that Clemson backfield. You're still seeing Travis Etienne in that Clemson backfield because they're coming back. I don't think that adding this one piece is going to do it for Ohio State this year. Um, but I don't really know what piece you could add that would do it for Ohio State this year, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I I think we're on the same page with this one. I think, one, I think I'll start out by saying this was probably the most needed pickup in terms of national 
national championship contenders this all season. Uh, Ohio State had a clear weakness after Dobbins' departure, and then T got injured in you know spring football. And I think Fields, as good as he is, he needs the ability to have a strong running back that he can rely on to keep defenses honest in their coverage and their schemes. I, I, I think if you took the running game away from Fields, it, that offense would become very, very one-dimensional and easy to stop. Um, this is a wild card thing, and I, it's hard to it's hard to project this because Sermon was very inconsistent at Oklahoma. Uh, he's shown major explosiveness, seven point over seven yards to carry last season, and has averaged over six and a half yards per touch in his three seasons between the uh, receiving and running game. And but his injuries and consistency have been huge issues throughout his time as a Sooner, and he never seemed to really carve out his role. He always was stuck behind another running back in the backfield or another weapon elsewhere on the field. Uh, yeah, you can contribute that to the offense that he was in or having Jalen Hurts, having Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, C.D. Lamb, you know, D.D. Westbrook, whoever you want to say. Yeah, all those players are there, but if you're going to say that you're going to be the best running back wherever, you're going to have to step up and find your role, get some playing time. And I think if Sermon reaches his potential, then Ohio State is neck and neck with Clemson as the odds-on favorite for the national title. But if these old demons arise, then Ohio State can find themselves in serious trouble trying to get through a tough Big Ten this next year and definitely find themselves in deep, deep trouble in the national semifinals or the championship if they find themselves there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I don't really have anything to add to that. I think that was pretty much spot on exactly what I was thinking. So, yeah, I think one of the big things people forget to look at is carries. They look at yards, they look at touchdowns, they look at yards per carry, yards average, whatever. But J.K. Dobbins had over 300 carries last season. Sermon's only at 339 his whole career in college. So can he be an every down back like J.K. Dobbins was, like Jonathan Taylor was for Wisconsin, um, DeAndre Swift for Georgia, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire for LSU? Can he be that every down back? And I got questions about that. It's weird because Sermon is bigger. He's six foot two twenty. <clears throat> Dobbins was more five ten. 215 or so. So Sturman's built to take the beating, but can he can he carve out his role in this talented Ohio State offense? Because you know, you said that he might got caught behind Jalen Hurts or whoever, but there's gonna be talent all over the place. I mean, we had, you know, Paul tell us last week that, you know, Chris Chris Olave is going to be there. He's he's the X factor for Ohio State next year. You have Justin Fields. I mean, there's talent everywhere on this Ohio State team. So it's up to Trey Sermon not to get swept under the rug in a very, very busy, talented offense in Ohio State. But if everything comes together, Sermon could be sitting on a chair in New York for the Heisman if everything goes right, to be completely honest with you, because I think he has that type of talent. Yeah, he has a very high ceiling. Uh, like I said, I mean, I think he's an incredible running back. Um, obviously, the injury is going to be a concern for this upcoming season, uh, but I think that he definitely has the talent that he needs to get that uh, get that sort of deal done. 
Yeah, uh, completely agree. But, you know, guys, the thing about way too early predictions, no one really knows. We'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how he fits in that offense. But for right now, that is a wrap on this episode. We're going to be back later this week with even more college football content for you guys. Um, so follow us on social media, Instagram at the underscore blue bloods, Facebook at the blue bloods pod, Twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods. Um, right now we're running brackets for you guys. Um, you know, March Madness got canceled. So we said, no, let's make some college football brackets right now. We're doing the greatest college football teams of all time. Voting goes on in our Instagram story handle. I just gave you guys. Facebook polls gave you guys that too. Twitter posting them straight on there. Uh, so yeah, go vote for that. Make your voices heard. We're doing a few votes a day. We're trying to spread this out for you guys. Give y'all endless content. After the greatest teams of all time, we have the greatest, the greatest coaches of all times, the greatest players of all time. It's all coming. The greatest games of all time as well. We'll wrap that up. So we have plenty of content stuff to get you guys interacting with the podcast, but you can find us everywhere. We're now available on iHeartRadio. So I guess if you were waiting on that, uh, you can find us on there now, you know, everywhere else, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Anchor, wherever you want to listen. We're, we're there, Spotify. But for right now, guys, we out. <laughs>